0: You are listening to the Through the Bible Studio Series with Pastor Nate Holdridge. Join us as we continue our study through the Old Testament book of Joshua. Here's Nate. Well, after Joshua had received the commissioning from God at the beginning of the book of Joshua, God's exhortations and encouragements to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, telling him that He would be with Joshua, that Joshua need not fear, but that he must instead be strong and courageous. We also saw in chapter one, that then Joshua began to lead the military commanders and not only lead the commanders, but he began to instruct the Transjordanian tribes, telling them that they needed to send their troops into the promised land to go beyond the Jordan River and fight and battle with the people uh, of Israel. Now, before they would actually cross the Jordan River, they would actually spy out the land and specifically the city of Jericho here's what we have in Joshua chapter 2 verse 1 and Joshua the son of Nun sent two men secretly from Shittim as spies saying go view the land especially Jericho. And they went and came into the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab and lodged there. So Joshua here takes two men and sends them out uh, as spies to go into Jericho. Here we have the mention of of the secrecy of this mission all right so joshua he takes these two men secretly from the rest of the congregation Uh, obviously this would be a secret to jericho but this was also a secret to the nation of israel it appears perhaps what joshua was concerned about was what had happened 40 years earlier in Numbers 13 and 14, a negative report going out that demoralized the people when he was one of the 12 spies. So here, Joshua is saying, look, God is going to give us the land. I believe he's going to give us the land, but I need a little bit of intelligence here about this first city that we are going to come against. And so he secretly from the nation of Israel sends out these two spies. Now, of course, with Joshua, just contextually, it seems obvious this was not an act of unbelief. This man believed the Lord. He trusted the Lord. He was one of the two spies who said, the Lord has given us this land. We will surely succeed. However, that in the mind of Joshua did not negate the fact that that there is such a thing as human responsibility. He believed in God's divine aid for the nation of Israel, but he also believed that it was mere prudence to go and see what was happening there in Jericho in order to eventually formulate a battle plan. And so they left a little city called Shittim, seven miles east of the Jordan River, and probably went north and swam across the flooded Jordan River at that time. It would be a flooded river. And then turned south and approached Jericho from the west. And pretty soon, we're just moving along the streets, mingling with the people. And we have the shocking line there in verse one, that they came into the house of a prostitute. This was definitely a divine appointment. Now it was told in verse two to the king of Jericho, behold, men of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. Then the king of Jericho sent to Rahab saying, bring out the men who have come to you, who entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. Now, what we're going to learn in a moment is that everyone in Jericho was on high alert. Rahab is going to tell that to the spies. So even though they came in secretly, and even though they had a cover, there were those who saw them and observed them, and they had seen where they'd gone. So the king goes to Rahab, sends to her, and says, bring them out to you. Now, this was actually in keeping with eastern manners at the time which would not permit a man to enter into a woman's house without permission and so he goes to this prostitute in their town and says hey i know that the men came in to you they're in the home please deliver them uh, to me do your patriotic duty and turn these spies in but the woman here's where we have a turn in the story in verse four The woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, True, the men came to me, but I do not know where they are from. And when the gate was about to be closed at dark, the men went out. I do not know where the men went. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hid them with the stalks of flax that she had laid in order on the roof. So the men pursued after them on the way to the Jordan as far as the fords, and the gate was shut as soon as the pursuers had gone out. Here we see God interacting and moving upon uh, Rahab the prostitute. And she becomes uh, a a woman of great faith at this particular moment uh, in her life. This is really God's grace in a powerful way. There are plenty of people who try to take the term for Rahab. She's called a prostitute. Some try to translate it as innkeeper to sort of clean it up a little bit. But the New Testament refers to her as a prostitute as well. It's very clear what her profession was. This woman had a shameful position, a shameful role. But here in this act of hiding the spies, covering for the spies, deceiving the leadership in Jericho, she through this act of faith enters into the covenant promises of Israel. She becomes one of God's people. She would eventually marry a man named Salmon who was the son of a great prince in Judah. She'd have a son named Boaz and Boaz would marry Ruth and they would have Boaz and Ruth, Obed, and Obed would be the father of Jesse who fathered David from whom, of course, Jesus Christ had come. And so this woman, Rahab, is actually going to enter into the lineage of Jesus Christ. It's just beautiful here to see the great faith of this woman, but the grace of God first in seeing him selecting and dealing with and extending his mercy and in in his grace to this woman who was stuck in prostitution. So just absolute grace from God. Jesus said to the religious leaders, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but I came to call the sinners. So this is just simply the incredible grace of God in working in Rahab's uh, life. Now we learn that it was great faith that Rahab demonstrated at this moment. It tells us in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 31 that by faith Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. So just a beautiful thing here, Rahab, as she covers for these men. Now obviously she's being deceptive. This is an important strategy in warfare. And here she's siding with Israel instead of her own people. There are some who try to build a case that it was Rahab's faith that was commended, but that her lie was only recorded but not approved. I have a hard time with that kind of concept or that kind of idea. I think that God, in this moment of war, of judging this nation, I believe that what she did in hiding them and lying to cover for them was more than acceptable in uh, the sight of God. So after the gate was shut, there they are. In a predicament, they're stuck inside the city for the night. So it says in verse 8, Before the men lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land, and that the fear of you has fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. Now there are a few powerful things happening in Rahab's speech to these men. First of all, she gives a report that is absolutely remarkable. She tells them, look, we know or I know that the Lord has given you the land. The fear of you has fallen on us. And she recounts to them Israel's history and God's plans for Israel's future. Uh, she talked about the takeover of the land as if it were an accomplished fact. So she hears, she's she's telling them, we've heard of what God did for you across the Jordan River before you came here to us, how you defeated Sihon and Og and uh, the kings of the Amorites. God has been faithful to you. It's remarkable that she gives this report. She's very conscious of what has happened in Israel. She's very conscious of the victories that God has given to uh, the people of Israel, the drying up of the water of the Red Sea, the uh, Sihon and Og. They've heard now of the victories that God has given. So what we're seeing here is a people who are resistant to the clear, and obvious plan of God. There could have been a surrender. There could have been a joining. There could have been a repenting of their sin. But still, there's this turning from the clear revelation that God has given. And she announces to them also, in addition, that the fear of you has fallen upon us. And in verse 11, she says, and our hearts melted. Melted. Now, this is interesting because God had promised this very thing. In Exodus 15, verse 16, he told Moses that the terror and dread would fall of, of the people of Israel would fall upon the people in the land of Canaan because of the greatness of God's work through the people of Israel. He said they would be as still as stone till your people, O Lord, pass by, till the people pass by whom you have purchase so again the promise of God working powerfully in the lives of the people of Israel basically you're seeing that morale has been crushed among the Canaanites because of Israel's previous victories and of course as believers we are running in a previous victory that Christ has given to us and that victory should dismay Satan and uh, the world and those victories should or that victory should encourage us to remember all that the Lord has done for us, his great faithfulness in our lives, the way he's been effective towards us and blessed us and watched over us. But the Lord here, going before the nation of Israel, is a powerful thing. And this would have been a confirming word that the two spies heard. We know that this has been, she said, devoted to destruction. Uh, you have You are coming. The fear of God is now upon us. Now in verse 10, when she says that they had devoted Sihon and Og to destruction, the word there apparently has a little bit of a religious motive attached to it. Rather than just a regular war, there seems to be a religious and spiritual side to that to be devoted to destruction. It speaks of devoting them to a god, devoting them in ancient practices to a deity. But here, of course, they had devoted them to destruction For their God, the, the God of Israel, the God of the universe. And so Rahab is giving them an insight into the mood and the feeling and the attitude of the nation, the Canaanite people, and the city there in Jericho. Now then, she says in verse 12, Please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, you also will deal kindly with my father's house. And give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and mother, my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. So she seeks to make a deal with the spies As she says to them, I've dealt very kindly with you. This is a very significant Old Testament word. It's a a kind of love that speaks of a loyal love, a devotion or affection that is steadfast, uh, an agreement, a promise, a covenant. So she's looking for a covenant. I'm making a covenant with you. I've dealt kindly with you. I've made an agreement with you will you also make a covenant with me is what she's saying and what she's asking for is that her and her family her father her mother her brothers and sisters all who belong to them their children that they would be kept safe that they would have their lives delivered from death and the men verse 14 said to her our life for yours even to death if you do not tell this business of ours Then when the Lord gives us the land, we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. So they have an agreement and the agreement is very simple. Yes, we will spare your life and the life of your family, your close ones to you. If none of you tell this business of ours, in other words, you have to all keep quiet about this. And if so, then we will deal kindly. We will make a covenant with, we will be faithful to you. Then verse 15, after making this deal with them, she let them down by a rope through the window for her house was built into the city wall so that she lived in the wall. And she said to them, go into the hills or the pursuers will encounter you and hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. Then afterward, you may go your way. Probably what was happening here is that Rahab's home was actually built on top of the city wall. It may have been that there were two walls in Jericho about 15 feet apart and that planks of wood would span the gap and then houses built upon that foundation. You know, It wasn't a very large city, so there would be pressure for space. So a woman like Rahab would live on the wall. And so she lets them down by a rope through a window. And as she lets them down, they're able to be on the outside of the outer city wall. And here what we have is Rahab expressing her faith. James said in James 2 verse 25, he said, in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? It's interesting because the New Testament writers speak of Rahab as both a woman of faith, but also a woman of works. She was justified by her faith, but she was also justified by her works in the sense that her works demonstrated that her faith was a real justifying kind of faith. Therefore, she was justified by her works. So Rahab had faith in God, which meant that Rahab also would work for God. She would actually lay down her life in, in obedience to the Lord. She just didn't say, well, I believe that the city is going to be taken out by the Israelites, but I'm not willing to put myself out there. I'm not willing to risk myself. No, she risked her own life, trusting in the kingdom that was to come rather than the kingdom that she had existed in at the moment. And the men said to her in verse 17, we will be guiltless with respect to this oath of yours that you have made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land, you shall tie this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down, and you shall gather into your house your father and mother, your brothers, and all your father's household. Then if anyone goes out of the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head, and we shall be guiltless. But if a hand is laid on anyone who is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head. But if you tell this business of ours, then we shall be guiltless with respect to your oath that you have made us swear." And she said, according to your words, so be it. Then she sent them away and they departed and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. So the men in escaping, they make a deal with Rahab. They say, okay, you are going to be silent and refuse to tell anyone our position, where we've gone, that we've come. And when we come to attack this city, you must bring them into your home and tie this scarlet cord in the window. From our position, we'll be able to identify your house. Probably these men were anticipating, you know, a classic battle, a house-to-house battle. And so they would say to their armies, listen, spare the house with the scarlet cord that is hanging in it. Now, of course, this scarlet cord was a token of the covenant That they had made with Rahab. She had said, Deal kindly with me. She said, They said, We will deal kindly with you. And this was a token of the fact that they had dealt kindly with her, that they were in a covenant uh, with her. Much like God's circumcision for. Abraham and his offspring or the sprinkling of blood that God commanded once under the law or the rainbow for Noah Noah, or the bread and the cup for the new covenant. Rahab had this scarlet cord as a symbol of the covenant that she had entered into with the people of Israel. Now as Christians, we love the fact that it is a blood colored scarlet cord that reminds us of the blood of Jesus perhaps it would remind them of the blood of the Passover lamb. What house will be spared? The one with the scarlet upon it, the one with the blood colored material hanging from it. It wasn't that long ago in Israel's history that the blood, the scarlet colored blood of the Passover lamb being placed upon the doorposts of the home would spare them from the angel of death so perhaps there's a reminder here of the blood of jesus that protects us that guards us so her faith saved her not this cord but she put the cord out because of her faith in the lord so rahab is such a, an incredible study such a beautiful woman and really a story of god's grace and god's redemption in a person's life you have a woman who at the beginning of the story she's a prostitute. And as you follow her out through the various clues throughout the Old and New Testament, it's clear that she becomes a woman who experienced full redemption. She had been stuck in prostitution, but she experienced full redemption amongst the people of God. She had a marriage. She had offspring. She became one of God's children, one of God's people. And it speaks to us of the grace of God, the possibility of redemption in our own lives, and the way that the Lord can rescue us even from the worst practices and bring us into a place of health and growth and grace and redemption. Now, after they departed, verse 22, and went into the hills and remained there three days until the pursuers returned. And the pursuers searched all along the way and found nothing. Then the two men returned. They came down from the hills and passed over and came to Joshua, the son of Nun, and they told him all that had happened to him. And they said to Joshua, truly the Lord has given all the land into our hands, and also all the inhabitants of the land melt away because of us." So, the two spies, upon leaving or departing from Rahab's house in the darkness, they actually headed west and didn't go straight back to the camp in Israel, but they hid out for a period of three days until the pursuers had actually returned, of course, empty handed. And then, after that, under the cover of darkness, they swim back across the Jordan River and they make their way back to camp. And the important Conclusion to this story is that they give a beautiful report to Joshua. They say, truly, the Lord has given all the land into our hands and also the inhabitants of the land melt away because of us. This would be an incredible contrast to the spies that had returned 40 years earlier from their spying out of the promised land. You remember there, of course, that Joshua was one of the two that was filled with faith. But the 10 spies at that time said things that filled the hearts of the people of Israel with unbelief. In Numbers 13, verse 28, they said, the people who dwell in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and very large. In Numbers 13, verse 31, they said, they are stronger than we are. And in verse 33, they said, we are like grasshoppers. And that is what we seem to be in their sight. So those 10 spies, of course, lacked faith. But these two, they come back to Joshua, not saying like the spies before them we're small, we're like grasshoppers in their sight, not saying like the 10 spies, they are strong and the cities are fortified and very large, not saying they are stronger than we are. But instead, they come back with faith, faith very similar to Joshua and Caleb's faith, faith that said, truly, God has given this to us and their hearts melt away because of our presence. This must have so beautifully encouraged the heart of Joshua, for him to believe, for him to see, for him to know that God was for him and with him, and to see the faith of these men, the belief of these men, the confidence of these men, to hear these men not operate from a position of fear, but to see them operate from a position of faith. To see these men willing to place their lives on the line and to actually do something for the kingdom of God, this must have been a great encouragement to the heart of Joshua. And would to God that we would have more men and women operating from a place of faith like these two spies to, to come to a place of saying, you know, God is for us. It's so clear that he's gone before us. It's so clear that he's given us the victory. Uh, a people who are willing to give the good report rather than the negative report. The, the, a people who are willing to speak the truth faithfully and have a confidence in God rather than to speak a lie fearfully and to lack a trust in God. And these two spies, of course, came back with full assurance, great conviction, great faith. And this must have been such a blessing to Joshua and, of course, was a blessing to the nation of Israel because they did not come back and stumble them due to their fear, but built them up due to their faith. God bless you and amen. Thank you for listening. For additional resources and teachings or to contact us, please visit us at nateoldridge.com.